before we get started, wanted to announce that the Undrafted is running a special promotion this week. We're giving away one spot to compete in the Dynasty Owner Pros vs. Joe's Charity Tournament. We do have one entry to raffle off to play in a division hosted by the Undroppables' very own Tommy Moe, the podcast host for the two-on-one fantasy sports podcast, who you all know and love. You can find Tommy on Twitter at two-on-one-ffb. We will be uh, accepting entries all week, and the lucky lucky listener that wins will be announced on next week's podcast and on Twitter. Sign up for charity and to beat Tommy Moe at his own game. The winner will be picked at random. And by random, I mean I'm going to choose my favorite. Five-star rating and review of the Undrafted Podcast. Hey, it's got to be something in it for me. I mean, all it is is just tell everybody how crazy I am. So five-star rating and review. And just tag me and Tommy. So on Twitter, just uh, screenshot it or whatever. You know, you, you, you kids know what to do. At Dino Game Theory and at Two on one FFB. I would imagine uh, Tommy will be looking forward to kicking your ass. Welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode 47. Let's roll. And uh, I'll tell you, man, this one, this, one, this one was a stomach punch this week. I woke up, I think it was Tuesday morning, and, and uh, found my, my boy. Uh, I thought it was like fake news, man. It really, really bugged me. Uh, poor Cam Akers. Uh, Pops his Achilles. That one really, that one really got me. Uh, those of you who follow and know me know that I am pretty heavily invested in Cam Akers, both you know in reputation and in actual leagues. Uh, we'll get to that. We'll talk about that. I have a really special guest this week, and someone that I'm very, very excited to bring on the show. Someone that I've uh, kind of kept an eye on for a long period of time, and does outstanding work. Um, someone that you should definitely be following for sure. And also checking out his work elsewhere, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you where you can find him. He can be found at uh, on Twitter at Justin Boone with an E B O O N E. Uh, Justin Boone is the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. The Score app is a great app. I've had it for years and years. It is really good. Uh, very very utilitarian in my pocket. Uh, but Justin Boone is, is an absolute awesome uh, fantasy analyst, and including a dynasty player. And, uh, he was kind enough to join the the Dino Game Theory Invitational League, which is, uh, of course, I, I don't know what the hell I was inviting this guy for. He's going to run us all, all over. But uh, without further ado, Justin Boone, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I mean, as far as Dynasty goes, like in the last few years, I've really gone just head first. I'm trying to like convert any league that I have that's redraft to Dynasty, basically. I just want to play Dynasty nonstop, and there's a lot of reasons for it. I mean, we were talking before the show a little bit how, you know, having that year-round kind of aspect to always be able to kind of look at your teams and try to see if there's a trade you can make and, you know, look forward to that rookie draft every year. And there's just so much to like about Dynasty. So absolutely love it. 
so excited to be here. Uh, you know, the conversation we were having before the show it was fantastic. I didn't even know if we had started or not. We were already <laughs> just kind of yeah. going after it. And I was like, I think we could be talking for a couple hours here if we keep going at this rate. So <laughs> don't, yeah, I'm really, don't tempt really excited me. to finally be recording here and, and to get to talk to about, you know, some of the, the exciting news that's coming out right now as we're getting back towards training camp here. And, you know, some of the values and drafts that people can can find, try to help some people maybe, you know, win a few leagues this year, because that's what it's all about. Some of my listeners heard you say a couple hours and they're like, what, a short show this week? What the hell? Don't rip us <laughs> off. We want a full show. Now I'm only teasing. We tend to go long and it's usually because I'm a little bit long winded, uh, as you may or may not know. But um, but you're absolutely right, man. The uh, the the dynasty thing, I, I'll tell you what it was for me, you know, I played redraft my whole life. And then when dynasty found me, it was like when I was playing Madden and they added franchise mode, it was like <laughs> arcade level to franchise mode. It's a whole different deal. And that's redrafted dynasty for me. Is that, that ring true? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, just, it, I like, you know, there, there is a fine line of, you know, if you go, you could go way too far. And I I've talked about it before, like IDP for me, I played IDP for a few years and it was just too much. It was just too much the amount of time that I was spending on it kind of doubled all of my work. And I started to look at it and go, I don't know if we're going to have any family or friends left over after this, but you know, it was really fun and I did enjoy it. And, you know, I props to the people who are able to to do both, you know, props to the people that are able to do multiple sports, like a friend of mine, Jake Seeley, Jake Seeley doing, you know, NFL, the rankings for that also doing the rankings for baseball and being pretty successful at both. Um, that's pretty impressive because I just, I don't think I could do it. I want to put all my attention into football and into, you know, the offensive players. We're looking at the defensive players as well. Obviously that factors in all the projections and everything, but to go through and actually figure out stat projections for every single defensive player, man, the the Mike Clays of the world, I, I got nothing but respect for them and they're able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I've played in a few IDP leagues. I'm in I'm in a couple. They're relatively thin. I'm in one league. Justin, this is a lunatic league. I'm in a 32-man league, single copy. So it's it's crazy. Like You, you yeah. don't have to start a quarterback, but you can. So there's like one super flex. Because otherwise, I mean, it's possible you don't even have a quarter. 32 teams. I mean, there's only 32 starters. That, breaking news here. But So if I have two starters, like you, someone else doesn't. You know, So it's like crazy. And, uh, you know, seven offensive starters, seven defensive starters, that, that one's kooky, but, um, but it's fun. Uh, but yeah, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Like you just start getting into it. You're like, Oh my God, I have to know all this shit. You know, I remember when I first got a friend into fantasy football and, uh, dude has a photographic memory, like unbelievable. One of the smartest people I ever met. And, uh, and, and, and so I got him into fantasy football. He goes, I don't know any of the players. I said, you'll know every player within like two weeks. You'll know all of them. And he'll be like, <laughs> No, I'll never know all the stuff you know. And then subsequently, like a month later, he's like telling me about like, you know, the third string tight end. I'm like, Jesus, look at you. You're ridiculous. That's, so yeah, you, the obsession begins. Exactly. You dive in and then you just you ha- you just know like you don't want to know who the backup running back is and wherever. But you find out very quickly as soon as you start playing fantasy football. Absolutely. It's the best. And that's why this time of year is just so exciting with, with training camps coming back. And, you know, we're about to kind of really go underwater here for you know four or five months but uh it's gonna be great four or five months well speaking of backup running backs let's start there with the cam Akers news i think there's just a lot to unpack here um you know it's not a one for one for me this was going to be a cam Akers, you know lead back show uh you know in la and daryl henderson darrell henderson 
whatever his name is, he was going to be this sort of, you know, spell back, this sort of, you know, uh, secondary back. I don't think he's built to be a lead back. I don't think he's going to take over one for one. And I also am, uh, I know I'm covering a few different things here, but I also don't think one of the backups there is going to be much of anything either. Cause I do think they're going to go find somebody somewhere, a veteran somewhere, whether it's trade free agent, whatnot. And I think it's going to bring Daryl Henderson a little bit back down to earth. What do you think of all that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's almost a guarantee. I'm with you that they're going to have to bring in somebody else. I mean, Henderson ends up falling in that range of like Mike Davis, Miles Gaskin. And the reason is because those guys are kind of facing the same thing, right? If at some point those teams bring in another back, whether it is, you know, Le'Veon Bell or somebody or whether we see a, a Melvin Gordon get released or, or traded before the season – I think those teams might end up bringing in another body. So right now I have Anderson uh, round RB 21. The upside is there. And I don't think it's going to be a a one for one, um, like you said, but I do think there's a shot that he could win over this coaching staff. And we know right now that he hasn't won them over yet because they went out and they took Cam Akers last year. Right. So they weren't really happy with what they were seeing from him. But at the beginning of last season, he was producing in the first six games last year. He had three games where he went over 90 yards from scrimmage. He had four total touchdowns in those first six games. So he was putting up some numbers. And then the Rams' backfield, the running backs there, they've really been a fantasy force since McVay showed up, right? Even worn down Todd Gurley was still getting enough volume, getting those goal line opportunities. He was able to flirt with RB1 numbers even kind of when it looked like it was over for him. And now, I mean, we'll see if he ends up getting another job here, but you know, last year in Atlanta, we kind of found out that it was over for him. Um, there's a lot of things working in Henderson's favor or in whoever ends up being the starter there's favor. Um, Matt Stafford showing up, that's going to help the entire offense. Just a massive upgrade from Jared Goff. And I feel like I've talked about that on like every show that I've gone on this year. Um, I'm also projecting that the Rams running backs have the fifth easiest fantasy schedule this season. So whoever gets the touches there, they're going to be valuable. And Henderson showed me enough early last season that I think he could be maybe not the, the bell cow type back, but definitely the, the lead back in maybe a, a two-man committee. And I'm with you. I don't think Xavier Jones or Jake Funk or Otis Anderson Jr., I don't think any of those guys are going to do anything. I know people are talking up Xavier Jones that maybe he could be the guy, but I think they're going to end up bringing in, whether it is a, a Le'Veon Bell or a Duke Johnson not totally worried about those guys coming in and kind of usurping Henderson. Um, Le'Veon isn't the same back anymore that he once was, even though people might still think that he, he still has some of that magic. And Duke hasn't really popped when he's been given the chance before. Now, Melvin Gordon, who I mentioned before, I do think there's a chance that if he gets released or, or put on the trade block, that's the kind of name that could come in and just take over this backfield. Yeah. So that would be the one that would have me a little worried for Henderson, but... Yeah, and um, I think you know, I think that's the type of back that makes sense there. Quite frankly, I mean, you know, what are what are Daryl Henderson's shortcomings? It's like you know, pass pro and things like that. Like he's just not a a very refined back. He's pretty athletic, and like you say, he can be pretty successful. Um, you know, with some of those explosion plays. But I think when it <clears throat> excuse me when it comes down to like big games, fourth quarter, big play, like playoff type foot, I think they're gonna want some sort of a veteran all-purpose back. I think that's what they were kind of hoping Cam Akers was going to be as a sort of all-terrain vehicle that he could be, you know, passing down game, pass block, you know, short yards, the whole thing. 
Now, while Melvin Gordon still doesn't have any juice left, maybe he's a pro and he's got enough juice. You know, Adrian Peterson is a, is a name that, you know, you might hear, uh, Marlon Mack, um, you said that you rubbed the genie and said the magic words, didn't you? You said Todd Gurley. You, you, yeah. I mean, there's no I'd, way. There's no way. They come bring Gurley on, back. please. There's I want no it chance. so bad. I want it. No, there's uh, no way. I think they're going to give Henderson a shot to prove himself here early in camp and kind yeah. of win that confidence that he wasn't able to win before. And then I think they're going to end up adding maybe a smaller veteran addition. One of those sure. other names that I said that I'm not as worried about. One of those yes. guys, even like a you know Devonta Freeman or something like bringing one of yes. those guys who is capable, but Henderson's got way more juice, as you put it. And Henderson, he can be an RB2 for fantasy. He's going to be a risky one heading into the season because we've got a lot of time here before now and, and week one. So for another guy to show up and, and maybe take some of that work away. But he's got a shot here to be a top 15, top 20 back if he can hold on to that job. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. I mean, look, the upside is there. I can't argue with that. That offense is gonna is gonna have a lot of a lot of fantasy points scored. And if Daryl Henderson can somehow, some way, find his way into you know sixty five to seventy five percent of that, then that's huge. I I just it's kind of like with the James Robinson thing in the offseason. I kept telling everybody they're gonna they're gonna bring in a back one way or the other, and nobody wanted to believe it. And I think the same thing here with Daryl Henderson. I don't know who they're bringing in, right? Like. I don't know who, but somebody. They're not just rolling with what they've got. That I, I would bet a lot of money that that doesn't happen. Um, they're going to bring in somebody. The question is who and how big of an impediment to Daryl Henderson touches do they bring in? Um, maybe it's you know like you say, um, you know Lev Bell or yeah, like a D- Devonte Freeman. I, those guys don't move the needle at all. Those are just they'll they'll just take up some space. They'll get that you know ten to twenty percent touch. You know that's fine. That's actually the best case scenario. But Melvin Gordon, Marlon Mack trade, things like that, like, you know, Leonard Fournette. I mean, I'm not saying it's Leonard Fournette, but a guy like that, you know, Uh, just any of those guys that are like, oh, shit, they're kind of good. You know, anybody kind of good in the NFL where they're trying to make space on their roster because, you know, Sony Michelle, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, Sony Michelle might be dust, but actually he was pretty effective last year. He might be on the outside looking in in New England. Would they make a trade? Like, there's just enough of those sort of, pretty good backs that if they got one of those guys all of a sudden your projections for Daryl Henderson take a big hit yeah we know how the public reacts right like as soon as one of those guys gets signed Henderson's value drops so like you're saying and kind of in the same vein as James Robinson like you said you probably do from a dynasty standpoint you probably weren't counting on Daryl Henderson anyway in your starting lineup this year so yeah see what you can get for him and see if you can move him now before that value drops Yes. Is it possible that he comes out and has that, you know, RB2 season? For sure. That is definitely within his range of outcomes. But if you're betting on the odds, if you're looking at the probabilities, yeah, the the smarter play, the safer play is to try to trade him away now when the value is high and and get on that because, you know, the addition could come at any moment here. We could get a report from Schefter or Rappaport that someone else has been added here in the next week or two. So get That's on exactly putting right. out those trade offers and and it's going to depend league to league right some leagues people are going to be really excited about henderson some leagues people are going to be still excited to get cam Akers. people are going to want to grab him and take a shot and take on that risk and bring him onto their team and hope that he's going to be able to recover and that next year or the year after could get back to some semblance of what he was for me i have acres in a few places i'm kind of like you um, I really had him on a bunch of teams and, you know, was looking for that international dynasty startup that I'm doing with Danny Kelly. 
I took Akers in the third oh. round. I also oh. took Henderson in like the 14th round, so that kind of oh. softened the blow a little bit. Absolutely. But, um, but yeah, I, I kind of want to trade him away right now. I kind of want to get rid of Akers if I can. The problem is I don't think I'm going to get enough for him. I, in the That's leagues right. that I'm in, knowing kind of the managers that I'm up against, I don't think people are going to want to pay anything close to value. So I think I'm going to end up having to hold. But check in your league. Kind of put those feelers out there and see because if you can get if you can get a first round pick for Acres, a first round rookie pick, I would take that right now. Just we know hmm. that these Achilles injuries, even you know you can look at guys like you know Edwin Porras of Fantasy Points. You know he had a tweet that he put out. You know seventy two percent returns return to sport rate, around fifty percent reduction in power rating, and running backs and linebackers have the worst results when we're talking about a torn Achilles. But if you just want to talk about, you know, I'm no doctor, but just us regular folks, it's a pretty easy equation, right? Just name me another running back who returned from a torn Achilles and had like a prolific career. There name really is Name one. it. Well, I'll ask it this way. Name me another running back that was prolific before he did it and then didn't return. The list and, is shitbags. Like everybody will bring up this list. Of, his age, yeah, the type of player he is, all the, like. Yeah, the, all the, the running fact backs. That, you know, every year medicine gets a little bit better, so we yes. can kind of cross our fingers and, and hope. Because we we saw in the past, even with ACLs, that used to be a year long or more. Bingo. And now you look at an ACL tear, guys are coming back, you know, nine, ten months, and, and they're back on the field and ready to go. So, yeah, you can hold out hope, but I am very, very worried. And I don't know that at this time next year that Acres' value isn't going to continue to drop because – you know, what if Henderson ends up looking really good? What if they go out and they draft somebody else because they're worried about Acres? Like, there are a lot of things that could happen. And even if he does come back, is the Rams coaching staff going to feel comfortable? This guy coming off a torn Achilles, giving him a big workload. Like, you know, there's so many factors, I think, that are working against him. There's a few that you could argue, you know, give him maybe a better shot than some of those other guys. But I think if you're looking at the likeliest outcome, knowing what we know about this injury, I want to try to get rid of them if I can. Yeah, that's fair. But I, I think, you know, I, and I started to go there, but the, the list of running backs who have, quote unquote, not come back were never there. The, the the only one that was a really good running back was like Arian Foster, but he was like 30. I think he was 29 when he popped it. So he wasn't 30, 31 when he was coming back. Also, you you made the you made the point, all the data we're looking at is with dated medicine too. Like if we just look at more recent examples, and I know these aren't running backs because we haven't had this happen to a running back. The closest one is Marlon Mack. And I don't know, we'll see, right? Marlon Mack also, if he makes it quote unquote back, what was he going to make it back to? The backup running back in Indianapolis? That's what everybody thought he was going to be last year anyway. So it's not like, oh, if Marlon Mack is just a backup, he's just a backup anyway. So, but you look at OJ Howard, he's going to be coming back. You look at uh, the most recent ones are like Emmanuel Sanders at 31 years old, pops his. Kobe Bryant came back. Kevin Durant almost won a championship by himself on, on a rebuilt Achilles. I know that playing, but he's, I mean, I know that playing running back and, and Kevin Durant are two different things, but Kevin Durant's also a seven foot. I mean, I'm pretty impressed. I thought Kevin Durant's career was over. I said as much. Uh, that was incorrect. He's like the best player on the planet right now. So I think there's just a lot of data points that are conflicting. Um, to, to to say because, you know, Monty Ball or Mikel LaShore didn't come back that this kid won't, I just think that's not really the data points I'm looking at. So with all due respect to Edwin, the the running back linebacker thing, you know, yeah, I mean, if, if especially if the medicine was bad. I mean, 
our our doctor at uh, the Andropolis had also put out something. It was talking about how the the Achilles is like the strongest tendon in the whole body, and it, it's not very vascular, so it doesn't receive a lot of blood flow, all this stuff, and and so just trying to understand how it works. But medicine is better now. I'm going to be looking at OJ Howard and and especially Marlon Mack. If Marlon Mack can be adequate this year, it gives me hope for Acres. Um, but but you know you're right because when when um, when Acres comes back next year, if he comes back, right now 21 is done. 22 becomes in question. Um, but if somehow some way by this time next year, 12 months, they say somewhere between nine and 15 months is the recovery point. If at some point in the summer next year he's, you know, he's good to go, well, then he's more valuable than a first-round pick. So it is – the first-round pick is the sort of hinge point. I would never sell him for a a second, and I would definitely sell him for multiple firsts. But that single 22 first in a bad class, I'm not so sure. Well, I guess I'll I'll put it this way then. Like, would you be looking to go and trade for him? Would you be going to look and and pick him up anywhere because – I don't see myself doing that unless the price is extremely low, kind of like you said, unless I Correct. can do something for second round picks or something. Yes. I wouldn't be willing to give up that first to get him on my roster and throw him I on agree. my IR spot for the year. I don't want to do that. And like I said, I don't know how many of the, the leagues that I'm in, how many of the managers, I don't think many of them would be willing to do that either. So I think he's going to end up sitting in my IR spot as a hold. And then I'll just be kind of crossing my fingers and, and hoping that you're right. And obviously, on top of all this, I mean, we're wishing him the best, right? I'm Even right. though I'm speaking kind of skeptically about what could happen here, I want to see more than anyone. I want to see him come back and get back in the field and be kind of the one that, that breaks the mold and, and shows us what could be done with a, for a running back with a torn ACL. So we want to see that happen, and it would be a great story if it does. And yeah, let, let's go doctors out there, you know, whoever's doing the surgery, all that. Let's go. Let's get this together. Let's get this guy back on the field and at least as close to as possible to what we thought he was going to be this season. I'm totally with you, by the way. And so, you know, let's look at where we have him in Dynasty, because this is kind of interesting. Now, I agree with you that, that I if I'm buying, I'd buy for a second. I'd have a really hard time giving up a, a 22 first straight up for him. Uh, like always, I think these trades are are generally better done with packages. You know, if you can trade, you know, uh, acres plus a first for a premium back, that might make sense, right? You know, that yep. that's maybe for a Nick Chubb, right? Hey, now all of a sudden that Nick Chubb guy, maybe he's not as competitive. He's like, look, I turned it into the dice roll of acres and a first. <clears throat> My team was already kind of bad. Now it almost it goes into that you know auto tank, you know. I, I, but now I've got a young a young back in tow and a first round pick. That could be the type of trade that makes some sense, you know. So I'm looking philosophically what might make sense. But if you look at a, a 22 first and Cam Akers, they're almost like the same asset. In other words, we you ain't gonna play either of those in your flex spot this year and next year. It's a coin flip. So, and it's a coin flip with a really high ceiling. That's what you're getting. So I think he's worth somewhere in that ballpark of a, of a first round pick. And you're right. I'd, I'd, I'd be hesitant to take it. And I'd be hesitant to give it, um, you know, roster construction and situation would probably deem what that is. Now we look at, you know, okay. Dynasty ranks. How far down does he fall? I, I, I mean, we did talk about this. We texted a little bit about this. How far down does he fall? And have you changed your mind since I asked you? Because I know my mind is changing all the time. I, I have him at RB22. Um, yeah. And if anything, I think I would bump him down further. 
Me too. Um, I have met 23 and, yeah, and I, I agree. don't want to sound, I sound like we're just in mourning here. Like it's yeah. not over for him, but you know, that's kind of the way that I'm, I'm looking at this. And maybe part of that is because a lot of my teams right now uh, are contending and, and I'm trying to make sure that I'm kind of churning that roster and that I'm able to, to be in contention every year. Um, and so a guy like him, you know, I, I don't really necessarily want to, to carry that asset. I would much rather trade him and get that first and then have that flexibility that that sure. first could give me where I could trade that first to get another player during the season or, or something like that. Um, so that could be kind point. of make me a little, a little bias here, but no, that's, a good yeah, point. That, that's, that's my concern. And like, when I look at Henderson, like I have Henderson in dynasty at RB 28, like we just talked about all the, the concerns we have there. But when you look at that running back list, it dries up pretty quick at a certain point. So if you could get a guy that could come in and potentially have that, you know, RB two, you know, RB one, even upside, um, he, he could be valuable, but once again, in that range of guys, you know, Mike Davis, a little older, of course, but <laughs> in that range of guys like a miles Gaskin and stuff where there, there are a lot of risks if you're taking them on or if you're acquiring them at a trade. Yeah, absolutely. The ultimate galaxy brain trade would be the cam Akers for Daryl Henderson. <laughs> <laughs> straight up <laughs> yeah makers for Daryl Henderson of like a little little something just to even no no it just out. straight yeah, up I, just like someone does that trade in your league you're like what the fuck just happened like that yeah, was crazy that, that would be a little mind-blowing yeah <laughs> yeah so um now I'm with you I you know because I look at it and I'm like you know do I want Josh Jacobs or Cam Akers it's like shit of course I want Josh Jacobs now but you know he's got he he has his own questions you know in a year from now I still don't know if I'll want one or the other, right? Like we don't know. There's just the unknown with Cam Akers now is really the, and and we're not betting on the player. We're literally betting on like medical science. Like I don't fucking know about medical science. Little known fact, not a doctor. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so hard when we get into this, this area. And that's why we have, there, there are a lot of people. I mean, I mentioned Edwin Porras, you know, Gene Bramble, football guys. I, I always think he's one of the best at it. Um, you know, Matthew Batts, uh, there's a bunch of, of really excellent analysts in the injury field, Stefania Bell. Um, and we got to kind of, I always like to look at all of their content and kind of try to bring it all together to form uh, my opinion with, you know, the other stuff that we're seeing out there, but it is, it is very tricky to, to wade into these waters. <laughs> and yeah, there, there is no clear outcome that we can point to. And that's like a lot of these things, right? We're talking about fantasy. It's all just kind of probabilities and you're taking your shots where you can. Uh, there's no clear outcome here. And as you said, we kind of laid out both cases. There's potential that this could end up really well and Akers could come back and this could be this fantastic story. But like I said at the start, if I'm betting on this one, I think the odds are in favor that we're not going to see the Cam Akers that we thought we were going to see this season. And it's it's really unfortunate to see a guy at his age at, at 22 who really, I did a bold predictions article a couple weeks ago and one of my bold predictions was that Akers was going to take the running back crown this year, that he was going to end up being the number one overall running back just because he had that kind of profile in that offense. All those things I said about the Rams backs and the volume that they've gotten and how they've produced. And then what we saw from Akers down the stretch last year, he could have snuck into the top five, maybe even challenged for that number one spot. And now, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen career wise for him. Uh, little little known fact, Edwin Porras actually started with the Undroppables, so shout out to Edwin. Also, um, you know, Adam Hutchinson, also a great um, yep, medical sure. guy, also an Undroppable. And our new uh, doctor is Jose, and you can find him at 
at FF underscore injury. So we've got a good track record of bringing on great medical people from the undroppables and, and getting them opportunities elsewhere. So uh, cheers to that. And uh, so give uh, give FF underscore injury a follow. Uh, he's doing a great job. He did a, a really good uh, Achilles um tendon rupture thread thing so it was it was a pretty good read and uh you know he tried not to be too opinionated kind of just leveled it out and i thought it was a good read <clears throat> so go check that out but um uh, moving moving on um you know so here we are i was i remember when i started the the show sheet for this show we were going to talk about running backs and the, you know it's funny because one of the questions i was going to ask is is cam Akers one of these elite guys you know and <laughs> and i was like shit you know so Anyway, um, I, I would imagine, you know, w- let's talk like kind of redraft best ball here uh, theory, which will kind of, you know, we'll, we'll dovetail into some dynasty talk as we get there. But in, in a redraft or a best ball league right now, uh, do you have a clear 1.01? I, I'm guessing you do, as most do, but is it clear for you? Yeah, it's it's pretty clear. I mean, there are some some doubts you could put on, on Christian McCaffrey. Um, you're coming back from an injury himself, but and we don't totally know what that offense is going to look like with Sam Darnold there now. But um, yeah, he's the the clear 101. I mean, a guy who's shown he can average 30 fantasy points a game when things are really going well for him. Uh, there aren't many guys that can do that. So McCaffrey's the 101. And then in redraft, I see Dalvin Cook as the clear 102 for me. I mean, he averaged me the third most fantasy points last year among running backs at 24.1, I think. But um, he was behind CMC and Kamara, and this is more about kind of Kamara and looking at him, and I think he has more question marks this year uh, just as far as his projection, projection with the quarterback battle and you know just kind of some of the uncertainty there. So that's why Cook kind of gets above him because otherwise I feel like those two guys would be kind of neck and neck for that number two spot. Yeah, no doubt. I, I'm with you 100%. I, 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 I absolutely think that Christian McCaffrey is the 1.01 He's the 1.01 for me. It's like, I sometimes think about Dalvin cook just because like, I just think so, so much of that, that sort of situation for him going forward. He's, he's undisputed. He's the guy Uh, they've got good weapons around him. They invested in the offensive line. The offensive line didn't really hold him back last year. And they got a lot better with Chris and Darison and uh, Wyatt Davis coming up front. You know, that, that could be a, actually a good offensive line this year. Cousins still efficient, still effective, was kind of again underrated last year. Uh, Justin Jefferson in another year. Uh, I suppose the question we could have there is with Thielen. I know actually, I think it was you that actually have some questions about Thielen. Uh, we'll get there, but I love Dalvin Cook. Um, and then, so then it it sounds to me like your uh, running back three is Alvin Kamara or not. Running back three for me uh, would be Alvin Kamara and redraft. Yeah. Is he? I, I still. I mean, we saw last year in the the fantasy playoffs just that that upside, right? Like what he could do. He could win you weeks by himself. He can give you a fifty point game the odd time during the year. Um, you know, Kamar. I still think that that Sean Payton is going to find ways to get him the ball. The the worries that people have of you know Taysom Hill is he going to throw him as much? I think those are a little overblown. I mean, they know who the best player on that offense is. They're going to get him the ball. But uh, another reason why Cook ends up a little higher than him is the way that they kind of treat the backups there, um, Alexander Madison doesn't really get worked in that much, whereas some of those other top backs, they have a second back in the offense like Latavius Murray for Kamara that gets a decent amount of work in the offense. So it's another reason why we're sad about the Akers thing because you know he looked like a guy who could be that kind of bell cow and maybe join the, the McCaffreys and the Cooks as a guy that's taking a massive amount of volume in his offense, whereas, you know, 
Kamara and some of these other top backs. People have concerns about Jonathan Taylor, obviously. Nick Chubb might be one of the best running backs in the league, or if not the best, yeah. and yet he's got to share a backfield with Kareem yep. Hunt. So these other guys tend to have someone else in the backfield that's at least chipping away at their work a little bit, whereas you know right now CMC and, and Cook don't really have anybody that's that's getting that much volume in their offense. That's right. The other guy that doesn't have very much chipping away at his uh, production is a guy coming back from an ACL that I think is, you know, got to have him at my RB3. I keep seeing him slip because of injury situation, and that's Saquon Barkley. Um, I I don't know, man. From from Saquon, Kamara, Henry, JT, Zeke, even Aaron Jones and Nick Chubb, like that whole – and now all of a sudden you're starting to see Najee Harris – Eckler, Antonio Gibson, that could be a, that's a huge tier for me that I don't necessarily know how to parse. Um, you know, if, 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 <clears throat> if we're running a team together and we're on the clock in the late first and you're like, Hey, I, I think I want to take Antonio Gibson here. Like what's the argument against that? Like I, not much, right? I mean, it's like, that's a pretty good pick. I'm not saying it's the right value pick, but you know, Aaron Jones, man, Aaron Jones, if, 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 if um if Rodgers comes back would immediately be vaulted into in you know would would climb at least two or three uh picks you know in ADP so i think there's a bunch of guys there that have a little bit of question mark you know you could you could we could sing the 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 song about why they're a, a risk starting with Barkley and Kamara as you've done Derrick Henry doesn't catch balls Jonathan Taylor has competition new quarterback right like there's just so many Zeke Elliott you know has Tony Pollard Although Zeke, man, if he can stay healthy in that offense, there's an argument for him to be number three. That's that's definitely true. I mean, he's another one that has one of those guys, Tony Pollard. How much is he going to get involved? But yeah, I have Zeke right up right up in the top five. Uh, Barkley is so interesting. You talked about him. I mean, I think I've I've found a lot of value in grabbing some of these guys coming back from injuries that you know maybe you feel a little stronger about than other people most people are, are worried about the guy coming back from the injury i know especially barkley's not doing anybody any favors here because he's talking about how you know he might not be out there he's not really sure what his timetable is early in the season here right i'm sure they're going to try to do everything they can to have him out there in week one i also think it's just so easy to forget how good some of these superstars are like a barkley like a george kittle you know, george yeah. kittle gets bumped down and i love what darren waller did down the stretch last year and and I have Darren Waller as my tight end too, but Kittle is not far behind. And I think there's a good chance that, you know, whether it's Barkley, whether it's Kittle, we're going to devalue these guys a little bit and push them down draft boards. And then they're going to come out and remind us early this season, oh, right, these guys are like maybe the best at their positions, right? Like these guys are just so true. superstars and so elite. Um, and yes. yeah, Barkley, other than CMC, I mean, Barkley is the guy who could kind of just shake things up and, and put himself right on top of that list. If he comes back and he's healthy now, a lot of mouths to feed in that offense now. They've added a few more, but his skill set, I mean, he definitely could end up as the number one running back if he's healthy for the whole season. I, I would argue the mouth of Galladay is actually going to help Saquon by stretching the defense. If you tell me that the mouth of Kadarius Tony takes anything away from Saquon Barkley, then take lord take me now <laughs> yeah it's gonna take tony a, a little bit i think before he ends up being fantasy relevant if he becomes fantasy relevant at any point i think it's gonna be at least a a year <laughs> before we see him get any sort of consistent volume 
uh, to produce in that offense. But I mean, even a guy like Kyle Rudolph, like how many times have we seen Kyle Rudolph stealing touchdowns around the red zone? Like there's a lot, a lot of receivers in that offense now where before it was, you know, very condensed and they needed Barkley to, you know, trying to catch a hundred passes in a season kind of thing. Uh, he might not have to do that. And then if you add in, they have some concerns early in the season about his injury and maybe they ease him in that could bump his numbers down. But yep. in the second half of the year, let's yep. say this year, like how many running backs would you want in your lineup over Barkley, right? If right. Barkley comes back and he's healthy by the middle of the season, there are not many running backs that you're going to want to start over him. No, I'm with, I'm with you, man. Saquon is, you know, of course I was fading him because of the ACL and then I saw his quads and, you know, I got the the hearts in my eyeballs and, you know, next thing you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm drafting him again. I, I don't know, man. I, there's just so many questions about a lot of them. I mean, Derrick Henry hit his absolute ceiling, went over, you know, 2000 yards, had a bunch of touchdowns, still wasn't the RB one and not really close because of the receiving work. He has weekly downside. If they're behind and throwing, he's not involved in that type of a game. So he has floor issues on a weekly basis. He doesn't have ceiling issues. He, he, he can rush for four touchdowns and 250 yards in a game. So the ceiling is always there. But, you know, so he scares me a little bit. JT, uh, it's not really the skill. It's just whether or not he's going to get targets for me uh, because targets is where he he eats, man. I mean, he was a very efficient pass catcher in college, which people don't remember or realize. And he was one of the most efficient pass catchers from the running back position last year as well. Uh, I think he only had like two or three balls targeted that he did not catch and then when he catches it he's making people miss running people over and and threatening the goal line every single time um so he's uh kind of needs those catches with marlon mack coming back i don't think he takes really anything from him in that way but you know naheem hines obviously is a very skilled receiver i mean he's not Tariq cohen out there he's he's legitimate good and so i wonder what the philip rivers leaving yes. what kind of impact that could have on naheem hines right like we kind of yes. pegged naheem hines for maybe like that poor man's eckler role last year and that's kind of what happened i think he finished i think he was like the the rb 16 or something crazy <laughs> yeah. by the end of the season <laughs> right um and and now moving forward like is carson wentz really going to use him that much maybe but i maybe. think it was a tale of two seasons with with taylor last year early in the year yeah, he had a couple games where they gave him big volume, but for the most part, they were kind of running like that three-man committee, and they were kind of easing him in. And I think the coaching staff has talked about this. And then at a certain point, halfway through the year, they felt more confident in him, and then they started to use him like a workhorse. Now, there are a million factors. The schedule was so easy. They had all these positive game scripts, but he was getting used in the passing game. He was getting used really as like what could be like a top five fantasy back and we know the talents there they have a strong offensive line I don't think they're going to want to bring Carson Wentz in and just throw it all over the yard with him they're going to want to continue to lean on that rushing attack um, I still really like Taylor here I, I have him kind of just behind those top guys and I wouldn't be shocked if he sneaks up into that top group I have similar concerns with a guy like Derrick Henry as you just the volume right over 700 touches the last two years you just wonder last year before the season, you hate to kind of try to predict these injuries, but before the season last year, it was Christian McCaffrey. And we were just going, he's really stayed healthy for a long time here. And he's getting all this volume and you know, the odds seem like he's got to go down at some point. Like, and that's what happened now alternate universe. Maybe it doesn't, but you can look at some of these sometimes and start to kind of play the probabilities. And I think Derrick Henry his age is getting up there. It's possible he's just an alien and yeah, he's going to keep playing here and just keep dominating and December will roll around and he's putting up 200 yard games. But 
I would be worried about Henry staying healthy for the whole season. And that's why in a similar vein to like the, you know, Daryl Henderson injury we just saw, we could see someone like a Darrington Evans or maybe even to a lesser extent, like a Brian Hill yeah. end up being a really valuable fantasy asset as soon as Henry goes down. So I like Darrington Evans. I've been grabbing him a lot of places. I think they could use him in the passing game. Yeah. Um, and, and he's one of my favorite backups to roster this year. Yeah, I mean, Brian Hill is a very, very sneaky dynasty stash because you're right. If, if Derrick Henry were to get hurt, which obviously is impossible, um, but if <laughs> if he were to get hurt, um, it wouldn't be the Darrington Evans show. It wouldn't. He's not a feature back. That's not what he is. He's he's very good. I'm with you with loving Dar- Darrington Evans. Like Henderson, but, where he might yes. be like the he could be like the lead guy, the explosive guy, but there's yes. going to be another back working in with him. No doubt, maybe even goal line, etc. So you know he, he would be capped a little bit, but I think it would be a fifty-fifty show with somebody. Again, you never know if they're going to bring someone else in. You know, the JJ Zacharyson, you know, who by the way is in that 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 league that league with us, which is going to be fun. But um, he 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 had pointed out a lot of times when we pick a, a handcuff, we're usually wrong anyway. So drafting handcuffs is stupid because you you pick one, you're like that's the guy, and then it isn't the guy. So you know, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of. It's lot so true. Instances like that. Yeah, we we don't think that way. We're like, nope, that's the guy. If he goes down, boom, RB one coming. But you know, usually that's not the case. So, um, but that's why like the 49ers backfield for so many years here, it's just kind of been like, yes. just get pieces of that backfield. Just get pieces. Maybe you'll end up with a guy. Maybe it'll be week two. Maybe it'll be week fourteen. Who knows? But yeah. Just grab grab the third. Grab the four string running back there because you know if they get the start, they're going to be able to put up numbers and. That's why with the Titans, it's not that anybody's going to come in and put up Derrick Henry numbers. No. It's just that now that you have this really efficient offense to bring in Julio, so that efficiency, I think, is going to continue. You have these great passing weapons. Defenses aren't going to be able to key on the rushing attack, and that'll open up some lanes for a guy like like Evans or maybe Hill. That, that, first, uh, that first week of the season, I will be watching the Tennessee Titans. That's all I'll tell you. Um <laughs> I can't wait to see Julio and AJ Brown on the same field. That'll be fun. Um, but I think what's interesting is like, you know, it sounds like, I don't know, maybe you do a lot of best ball drafts too. And in best ball drafts, you have various, you know, uh, draft spots and you can kind of change it up. You know, I'm, I'm in so many at a time. I'll, I'll take Camara this one, Zeke, that one, yada, yada. I'll just mix it up. And, you know, I don't have to, but if you're in, you know, if I'm talking to, we're talking to the masses, you know, you, you certainly talk to the masses at the score. You've got a big podcast, a lot of people listening, a lot of people looking for, Hey, what's this dude's rankings. And like, should I take Derek Henry over Jonathan Taylor or whatever? Right. And it's like, you know, you rank them and it's like, well, I, it's not like, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's so close. They're right. Like, like five and six, six and seven. It's not like definitely Taylor over, you know, Chubb or whatever. It's like, they're all kind of good. So if you're in one league, it's super hard to determine if you have like the fifth pick, who should I take? Like, that's the hardest part. Um, you know, I'll ask the question this way. I know you did a, a recent draft uh, that you talked about on the, on the pod and it was a 10 man mock and all 10 first round picks were running backs. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I know in a, in a draft, I'm usually looking for those premium running backs and, you know, at what point in a, in a in a conventional draft? Again, I mean, obviously, if it's tight end premium or things like that, it completely changes. I get it, but in a sort of very conventional, let's just call it a twelve man league, at what point are you willing to pivot off of those premium running backs and and move to a Kelsey or a Hill or perhaps somebody else? It's late in the first. Um, uh, you know, I'm not looking at my rankings right now, but you know, I would say around like pick eight pick nine, like kind of in that range, just after the, the midway point, the first round, that's when I'd start to consider a, 
a Tyree Kill or a Stefan Diggs or definitely Kelsey. It's it's wild. I never thought that we'd see a a tight end kind of get up to that value where we're taking them in the first round, but it, it has definitely happened and it's definitely worthy. I mean, Kelsey it's, last he's year, worth it. when you put him up against the receivers, he was averaging like the wide receiver three on the year. Like it's just, it's unbelievable the kind of numbers that he puts up from the tight end spot. And everybody wants to talk about there. I got this late round value at tight end. I got this. And it's like, yeah, that's great. And yeah, I have some too. And if I end up missing on those elite guys, I'll grab one of them and then I'll take that late round guy and I'll hope that I can get tight end, what, seven numbers on him. Like they're just right. Those late round guys have no chance of cracking the the top three for sure. And I think like this year, maybe even like the top five. Um, so that's why this year, when you're talking about like a, a draft strategy, I'm trying to get one of those elite guys any chance I can. And I'm kind of sad when they go by and I'll, I'll even include you want to talk about the top three tight ends there. And then you look at, okay, you know, Kyle Pitts, you're, it's a projection, but I'm excited about him, and I would take a shot on him a few rounds later. Um, you know, TJ Hawkinson, I think, is in a great spot where he could potentially be like the de facto number one receiver in that offense just because they don't really have any true talent in the receiving core for the Lions. Um, but after that, it it's just impossible in my mind to try to mimic the numbers and the advantage that you get from those elite guys. So, I'm willing to spend up and there's other reasons for that. You know, we can find, you know, during the year, you can find running backs that pop up. So I feel confident I can be aggressive on the waiver wire and find a guy wide receiver, I think is very deep this year. And in those middle rounds, a lot of values at receiver that you can lean on guys who can be a starter on your fantasy team that you, you won't feel bad about having them in your wide receiver two or wide receiver three spot. And yeah, I'm trying to sell out to get those elite tight ends and, <laughs> Kelsey is top of the list. It, it sometimes feels weird when you take him in the late first round, but definitely worthy, like we said. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's always been the advice to not draft tight ends in the middle, you know, where you can where you can really stack up on, you know, wide receiver talent. Uh, it's interesting because, you know, oftentimes there's a late round tight end that I like. By the way, uh, Travis Kelsey was our um, was our uh, undrafted fantasy football MVP last year. I thought he was the most valuable piece to have rostered uh, in in last year's fantasy football season. I mean, he won you championships. The leagues where I have Kelsey agree with you. I mean, yes. that's, yeah, the, the leagues that I have Kelsey were, you pretty much, you know, came away with the money last year. Yes, he won yeah. you the money last year. There's no doubt, man, because it's not just his performance, but also his performance compared to whoever else you had. The only other tight end that could have challenged you was Waller, right? And so Waller was dope last year, obviously, uh, you know, and I had a lot of Kelsey and Waller, so that was great. But, um, but yeah, I mean, he was the, he was that, that, that MVP in the whole league, in my opinion, um, you know, Kamara, you know, cook, there was a lot of people that you could have, uh, made that case for, but I thought it was Kelsey. And if we're talking about tight ends, it's like that strategy. It's like, yeah, I don't blame you, uh, going for Kelsey, you know, Kittle and Waller, you're right, man, because those guys right now, I mean, especially Kittle, I think is the value of the top three because people are forgetting that he's dope and like he does slip a little bit. So you might be in round three or something and there he is just staring at you and you're like, Oh my God, I I might have Kelsey light and still have, you know, a premium running back and a premium, whatever, like the first two picks, you know, to go along with them. One of the, you know, the, the cost of Kelsey is who you're not drafting in that first round while you're taking him. Right. I mean, obviously having him is great, but what you're giving up to get him 
uh, you know, uh, opportunity cost is pretty heavy in the first round. Uh, but with Kittle, it's, it's a little less, and it could be right there. Pitts is another one that I, I'm willing to take. Hawkinson last year was the guy I was taking, you know, late. I mean, he was often going outside the top 12 tight ends in redraft, best ball, whatever. He was just back there, and now he's really, what is he, five or whatever, I think? or You know, I mean, I think he's five almost every single yeah. time, four or five. So he's there. He's not bad, but I think he's, you know, not overvalued in that way. But, like, that's why I don't want to start taking tight ends without ceiling. You know, why do I want to take him when I can look down the board and maybe get the exact same guy, you know, five rounds later? Um, the guy for me at that point is is um, is Logan Thomas. He's kind of the last one with that sort of upper echelon ceiling, um, you know, in the top 10 or 11 tight ends. You do have to make a point to kind of look for him and not let him get past you. You can't just simply wait. We're going to get to the guys you can simply wait on. Do you agree with that, or or are you not much of a Logan Thomas fan going into the season? We've agreed on a lot today so far. I think it makes for a better show when we don't agree, and this is one where I don't agree with Thomas. I mean, last year, he didn't do that much with his touches, right? Like, he put up good numbers, and he was more of kind of an accumulator, but not a lot of yak. I think, you know, when you look at his volume in that offense, when you look at J.D. McKissick's volume, they were kind of by default. They just didn't really have other options. And Alex Smith, you know, just kind of checking down to those guys and just, you know, hitting them all the time. Now they bring in Curtis Samuel, who is projected to get over 100 targets. That's not just me saying that. We've had beat writers saying that. Um, A guy like Adam Humphreys, who can play in the slot, not a fantasy option. I'm definitely not recommending him as that, but... A decent real life addition, a guy who can like, you know, might get, you know, 60, 70 targets. Like he could put up something like that. He ends up being kind of one of those frustrating guys when you're looking at the fantasy stats at the end of the day. You're like, what? Adam Humphrey's got that much work today. Like, why weren't they throwing it to McLaurin or whoever, right? That's what's going to end up happening some games this year. Um, Dammy Brown, the rookie, like just another weapon. We'll see if he ends up doing something this year. We talked about Antonio Gibson a little bit earlier. You know, they're talking up using him more in the passing game, having him run more routes. So Thomas is, is decent. Um, I just don't think that he has the same upside that, and I was on him last year. I liked him last year, you know, not as a guy that was going to end up being, you know, challenging Kelsey or anything like that, but somebody that I felt pretty good could end up being a a tight end one in the season. And that's what we saw. I just think he's going to have a really hard time repeating those numbers based on those other guys that they brought in. But I want to hear your argument. Convince me here why maybe I should have them a little higher up my board. Well, I'd be more than happy to. So here's, here's a couple of things that stuck out to me about Logan Thomas last year. First of all, he was the number one tight end in snap snap percentage. He, he was 98% snap, uh, snap rate. So he played on almost every single down. What that tells me is that the coaching staff trusts him wherever the hell they line him up. He was uh, in the slot uh, a pretty good amount. He played well over 1,000 snaps, um, was in the slot uh, 600 of them. He was wide 124 snaps, which is actually a lot, in line 324. So he didn't play too much in line. He was a receiver. Now, here's here's the thing. You you mentioned he was a, a, a an accumulator of stats. I totally agree, right? It was like he, 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 he only had um, 6.1 yards per target. Like, that's terrible. I'm with you. But here's the thing. Um, Washington quarterbacks had an average yards per attempt of 5.7. 
Like they were so anemic. You you sit there and go, yeah, he only had six touchdowns. I mean, you'd like to see more touchdowns. They only threw 16 touchdown passes. He accounted for 40% of their touchdown passes. Like if, if he can get 40% of the touchdown passes in this offense, it's going to be bonkers. So I think, you know, first of all, I don't think he'll get 40% of the time. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like his performance last year, I think was a little bit shrouded in how terrible they were, right? How often was a Washington quarterback sitting in the pocket waiting for a, uh, you know, a 6-6 seam route, you know, from from a 6-6 tight end, a seam route to open up? Never. Like they were just throwing it like, very quickly, like J.D. McKissick, here you go. Like there was just so much nervousness in that quarterback room. None of yeah. them were good. None of them were standing in there. Now, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick will stand in there. Just to give you some some uh, uh, frame of reference, 5.7 yards per attempt from the Washington um, quarterbacks last year, cumulative. Over the last three seasons, Ryan Fitzpatrick is at 7.9 yards per attempt. So you're talking about, you know, a, a whole lot more productive throwing the ball down the field. I think that's where Logan Thomas will win. He's also a, a matchup nightmare in the goal line. We saw um, Fitzpatrick utilize a similar player in Miami and Mike Gesicki. And when, when, when he was targeting him, he was targeting him in contested catch situations where he would throw the ball up to him. Uh, Logan Thomas, 6'6", 250, ran a 4.61. He's very athletic. Um, I just think he does have that ceiling because of his uh, because of his athleticism. Now the run after catch, I agree with you. I just don't think there were a lot of run after catch opportunities in that offense anywhere. So I think you're right. I think that the weapons actually help him. I think Curtis Samuel is going to play and be better than whichever Sims was playing for them last year. <laughs> McLaurin, right? McLaurin's good. I think I think Logan Thomas will play over Adam Humphreys in the slot. I think they'll play Adam Humphreys in the slot sometimes when Logan Thomas is inside. But at 98% snap rate, I, th- I don't think they're taking this kid off the field for Adam Humphreys. Um, and yeah, I think the it, efficiency goes up. It, sound, it sounds like we're both pretty high in the Washington offense. I think yes. I guess it's just a, a matter of where we think the targets are going. And I think it's going to be focused around McLaurin and Curtis Samuel and Antonio Gibson. And I think that's going to kind of push – you know, Thomas. And like I mentioned, I don't think there's a, a chance that we're going to see McKissick get 110 targets or whatever no he got chance. last year. Yeah, it's no definitely chance. not going to happen. Another thing working in your favor um, for Thomas and, and I mean, for that offense as a whole, their schedule down the stretch when you're looking like down close to the fantasy playoffs, week 13 on the Raiders, the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Cowboys again, and the Eagles again. Those are the five <laughs> boy, games oh towards the end of the fantasy season. So we're going to see some good numbers from that Washington offense. And from somebody. It's just, a, just a matter of <laughs> yeah, who it's going to be, whether it's the guys I mentioned, whether it's Thomas, like you're, you're on. Somebody's going to be scoring a lot of touchdowns in those games. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, you just look at a lot of his, um, you know, his target share, uh, was number seven in the league and and at the tight end position he was number three in total targets at the tight end position like he was just really heavily targeted in an offense that had you know Terry McLaurin JD McKissick still soaking up a lot of targets but I just think they're going to be so much more efficient with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick I mean really you know this kid is really good I mean I say kid he's like 40 years old, but you know what I mean? Uh, he's, he plays like a kid out there, man. He's got fire. That's going to be his team. He thinks it's his opportunity for a Super Bowl, and I tend to agree with him that they've got a shot at the Super Bowl with that defense. It'll get them where they want to go into the playoffs, in my opinion. 
Um, he was also, uh, he had 17 red zone targets. I think those continue. Uh, I just think he's a, a player like, and again, if you're looking at, I'm, I'm not necessarily looking to reach for him, by the way. Um, the way I look at it is like, you know, you look at that, like, okay, Kelsey, Waller, Kittle, Pitts, Hawkinson, Goddard, Mark Andrews. Okay. Noah Fant. That's usually your, your top eight. So like, now Logan Thomas is there, and after that, it's a lot. Tyler Higby will probably push him to number ten. Higby Tyler Higby almost there, always yeah. goes ahead of him. So now you're you're picking the tenth tight end, you know, somewhere late in there. Uh, by the way, I'll if you take Logan Thomas, I'll take Noah Fant there. I, I like his upside too. It's just usually that Logan Thomas is that last one left, and with a, with a ceiling. I think he also has floor. He saw a minimum of four targets in each game last year. Um, I just think he's got floor and ceiling. You know. I don't know, man. I'm excited for him. Uh, he stayed healthy. He was he was trusted by the coaching staff, and he's going to get a huge quarterback upgrade going forward. Uh, sign me up. I think where he tends to go, I would normally still be grabbing. I think you can keep, get some of those elite backup running backs in that range. There's even a few like kind of flyer receivers that you might be able to get there um, that I like. And at, the, at that point, I just don't see that much difference between him and some of the other kind of upside guys that you can get a little later. Yes. I don't think any of them, like I said earlier, I don't think any of them are going to kind of challenge for top five numbers. So I think I would be willing at that point to go to those other positions where Thomas is going and then wait and grab, you know, an Irv Smith or Taunt. There's a bunch of names. I mean, you could There's a bunch. probably five or six guys that I would grab a little later in the draft or even grab two of them and hope one of them can be, you know, this year's Logan Thomas. This is what makes you a pro. He has the show sheet in front of him. He's guiding me along. Look at this. This is unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> I have my own podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable. I'm used to being the host. <laughs> this is so good. But you are. You're going right where we're going, which is okay. So, and that was the question: was do you want to sort of use the backstop of Logan Thomas, Tyler Higbee, or Noah Fant, and push the button there, or wait? Sounds like you're a wait. Which actually. Nine times out of ten, it, you know, usually I'm that guy as well. Although I do like that little late uh, Noah Fant, uh, Logan Thomas spot. But let's say that you bypass all that, and now you're in tight ends. You know, eleven through you know, we, I made a list. It was like eleven through thirty six on on underdog ADP, and like you go down, there's still some pretty interesting options even into sure. the twenties and thirties. Um, certainly more in that. 13, 11 to 23 range. Who are some of your favorites there? I certainly have some. Who do you like? Well, I'll tell you one thing first. You know, you have that love for Logan Thomas. The guy that I do kind of take in that range sometimes is Tyler Higby. And I feel like yeah. every time I click it, I feel stupid doing it because I feel like this is going <laughs> to, I'm just going to get burned by this. But it's like this irrational love of Tyler Higby from what he did a couple of years ago down the stretch. And now Stafford's there. And it's just like, I want to tell myself this story that he can get back to being that guy that we saw at the end of 2019, where he was somebody that maybe he could challenge for, for top five numbers at tight end. So anyway, that's the yeah, one that, yeah, that's yeah. my blind spot. Hey, let me, let me tell with- you, let me tell you. So Tyler Higby, I think he scored like three touchdowns in the one game that Gerald Everett didn't play last year. But the other thing going for Tyler Higby is that uh, Evan Silva thinks he's going to have a big season. So I'm probably wrong. Evan Silva's probably right. And I should just start (laughs) saying Tyler Higby is the guy there instead of Logan Thomas and just, just copycat the goat. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with Higby and I do see the upside there and the appeal. 
Um, but uh, I, you know, got to walk my own way and, and put my chip on the uh, the Logan Thomas square. But uh, who, who do you like after that? And yeah, uh, so ha- having said that, yeah. I, I'm going to say again, I think the smart move if you don't get one of those elite guys is to wait and grab one of these guys that we're going to talk about. And I threw out two there. I mean, Irv Smith, he's going at tight end 12. People are going to look at that Mike Zimmer quote where he said that, you know, Smith's role isn't going to change at all now that Kyle Rudolph's gone. We knew that to an extent, right? We knew they were going to continue to run these two tight end sets, that he was never going to get that like elite, elite volume. It wasn't like it was all going to condense and just be him. But with Rudolph gone, Smith can become that red zone guy I mentioned at one point earlier. You know, Rudolph's kind of that that guy that you just hate because he ends up vulturing those touchdowns away from the guys that you would rather see score them for fantasy. When Rudolph went down last season, Smith was already playing beside Tyler Conklin. Like he was already sharing the the field with him. It wasn't like he was just the only tight end out there. And during that time, small sample size, it was like four weeks, Smith averaged the eighth most fantasy points among tight ends over that final month there. So he could put up those top 10 numbers. Uh, Robert Tanyan's a guy that I ended up grabbing in Scott Fishbowl just because the discount I got on him. And you mentioned it with Aaron Jones earlier. If if we find out that Aaron Rodgers is coming back, and who knows if he's going to end up in Green Bay or not, but if we find out that he's coming back to the Packers, Tanyan goes from like tight end 13 to tight end 8 or 9 in my mind. I think he's going to jump a couple of those guys based on what we saw from him last year, based on the general excitement about you know Rodgers coming back if and when we find that out. So I think you know in that situation, I think he ends up in the top 10. Adam Troutman is somebody that Love Adam he is – very very athletic guy who can stretch the field but this one is more about just look last year jared cook kind of a declining jared cook in that offense ended up as a top 10 fantasy 10 and mostly based on the touchdown production and the saints love throwing touchdowns to their tight ends 21 touchdowns to tight ends over the last two seasons so troutman being you know a younger option like i said more athletic maybe a guy that can give them even a little more than cook did last year And then if you want to go even deeper, I mean, Gronk last season, you know, this might sound silly, but like, you know, you look for these guys that have like the touchdown upside because sometimes that's all it takes to get into the top 10. If they can have that kind of big, you know, seven, eight touchdowns or more in in a year, they could get into the top 10. And Gronk last season, after he knocked the rust off, he had those first couple weeks, he joked that he only got brought back to be a blocker and all that sort of stuff. He was a tight end five on a point-per-game basis from week five to the end of the regular season. You know Brady's going to look for him in the end zone. So Gronk's a guy that you could put into your lineup, and you know you just hope that he gets the touchdown for you. I don't think he's going to have huge yardage, but somebody that's in a great passing offense, and I think he's going to have more good weeks than bad weeks this season. So you know there's a lot of options, and like you said, you can even pair two of those guys together yeah. and kind of hope that one of them hits for you at the end of your roster. Yeah, I love it. I mean, you look down that list of, you know, it's, it's you know, Gasecki I think is overvalued because of his situation. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who might get squeezed out of the slot because of incoming talent. I mean, Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle are added to the team. Devontae Parker is still there. That's three. Uh, unless they're playing four wide, Mike Gusecki's on the, on, the, on the outside looking in because he is not a tight end. He's a slot wide receiver. So that's a little too rich for me if I'm taking him above Irv Smith, Tanyan, Troutman. No thank you. Um, well, but, even with like Parker and Preston Williams healthy last year, Gasecki was still incredibly inconsistent. Yes. And it wasn't until those guys got hurt that he really started to have some bigger games down the stretch. So, yeah, I'm all the way out on him. I have Gasecki like at tight end 16 or 17 at this point. 
Yeah, and I'm not looking at the splits, but if I had to guess, I would guess he was more effective with Fitzpatrick than he was with Tua. That may be wrong. I don't know. I, I haven't. I think I haven't that's wrong, it. but I think, like I said, I think it has more to do with the fact that those other guys were hurt later in the season. Like mm. Preston Williams got injured in the second half of the year, right. and, and Devontae Parker. I know he went out in Week 14, and Gasecki scored two touchdowns that week, and. I know that because I didn't have Gusecki in my lineup, but I actually lost the playoff matchup because of it. So those oh, are the ones that are just kind of burned into your brain. But yeah, yeah but- he had some bigger games, I think, down the stretch, but it was more based on who was available in the offense. And there were some games where he was kind of the only guy. And you want to talk about Yak and maybe the best wide receiver on his team is Jonu Smith. Um, I, I, I don't know what the hell is going to happen with Jonu. I mean, he was an infuriating player to roster last year because of his – you know, up and down. I mean, it, it was just brutal. You're like, why aren't they giving him the ball? Every time he touches it, he rips off 30 yards. But like, he's going at like, whatever this is, like tight end 17 or whatever. Um, I mean, that's upside at that at that spot. And they, they paid him a lot of money. I mean, it's going to be him or Hunter Henry, like someone, or if you want to pull the, the Ian Harditz in the, the International Dynasty League, we're in, just draft them both, and then yep. you'll find out, right? You'll, you'll, one of them should emerge, you would think, right? You, you can afford both. He was both. on my show. He was on the Score Fantasy Football podcast yesterday talking about how he kind of regretted that move, and it might have been uh, after he had a few drinks that he made those picks. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it is possible. When I mean, you look to these offenses, and this is a thing you can do when you're looking at these kind of lower-level tight ends and hoping that somebody can emerge, look for these guys that could be you know, either the de facto number one, which is very rare, or more often than not, and kind of like Jared Cook last year, like that de facto number two receiver in the offense. And we could see either of those Patriots tight end tight ends end up being, you know, either the number one or the number two pass catcher. So uh, definitely some some intrigue. I mean, when you look at the overall projection for that offense, I'm just not overly excited about the passing attack there. No, so not I at tend all. to stay away from them. Maybe in best ball, I'll go with like a, an Aguilar or something, but or uh, Jacoby Myers maybe at, yeah. at times, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. there's still a possibility <laughs> that we see one of those guys based on what they paid them um, and what they've done with tight ends there before that they really focus and use one or both of them. Yeah, it, you're, you're 100% right. It's like not a, an offense you want to bet on, but one thing I will bet on is somebody's going to do something in that offense, right? I, I just don't know Somebody what it is, to. or <laughs> right? Exa- you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah, I don't really like Jacoby Myers, don't like Nikhil Harry, don't like Aguilar, don't like Hunter Henry, don't like Jonu Smith. Well, Someone's doing something. I don't know which one, and it's a, a little bit of a of a riddle. But I would imagine, you know, I mean, you don't have to look too far into the tea leaves to see that, like, they signed these two tight ends in the same offseason. You know, I mean, obviously they have some two tight end plans. You know, I mean, call yep. me a detective here, but you know, I mean, obviously, <laughs> right? And so moving further down, there's two uh, injured tight tight ends that I really like, and you know, hopefully they can come back and play, but. Blake Jarwin and even OJ Howard. You mentioned Gronk, um, and I, I think Gronk is a, a, a very good upside play. But he's also been hurt repeatedly, like every single year f- for the last like three or four years. Uh, he's also maybe someone that'll try and I don't know about save, but save for the later season, save for the playoffs. I was just you know? going to say that, yeah, right. You know, I mean, I, I, I know I would if I were the coach. I'd be like, dude, we don't really need you right now. We've Antonio Brown. We got we got plenty of shit going on. Just chill back, man. You're a blocker, like you said. Like you know, you're the you're the dude. Now, if OJ Howard and this Achilles, which by the way, if you know, I have no idea now. <laughs> we're just, not again, not a doctor, but you know, and Blake Jarwin in that offense, if he is back. So those two guys have pretty good ceilings for being drafted outside the top 22 or something like that is incredible. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And and I, I loved O.J. Howard two years ago, and he kind of burned me. Um, so maybe I'm a little little against him at this point. But yeah, I, I still think he's the future of the tight end position there. I think it's just however long we have to wait until this Gronk and, and Brady show is over. And it might be a couple more years based on some of the reports that we're hearing. Absolutely. And and there's still, uh, there's still Zach Ertz out there. I don't know if he's uh, completely cooked. Is he just washed? Is that what's going on here? And he's just not – nobody wants him on their team whatsoever at all? Sure looked like it last year. I think the Eagles are also probably asking for more than they should get back. And I think other teams are looking at it going, we're not going to pay that salary. We'll let you release him and then (laughs) we'll go sign him, right? Yeah, we're good. I'm a Bills fan and I I think the Bills are in that mix. I think they would like to have him, but they're not going to overpay at all to get Zach Ertz at this phase of his career. But there's other guys. I mean, he could end up Ertz. It would be a nice story if he kind of ended up with the Colts, right? and back yeah. with Frank Reich and in that offense. And, you know, if he's there, could be kind of interesting. If he's not, Moali Cox is somebody that's flashed before that is another. I mean, now we're going super deep if we're talking yeah. about, like, you know, two tight end leagues or something like that. But, um, yeah, Moali Cox is somebody that in that offense, they like throwing to the tight end. They just tend to spread it out quite a bit. Um, and they have Jack Doyle and they got uh, Grants in there, the rookie. So, um, are they going to kind of use all of them or will they kind of focus just on, on Moali Cox and give him a shot to maybe be the guy? If that's the case, he could jump up into the mix with some of these other guys that are, you know, tight end twos with a little bit upside. Yeah. But Justin, you say like, as if, um, being this deep is like a bad thing. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, like look at last year, Logan Thomas and, and Robert Tunyon weren't even in the top 25. I mean, maybe Logan Thomas was, but Tunyon was not even on the radar. People were drafting Jay Sternberger at pick 25 before they were drafting Tunyon. So sometimes you have to look a little deeper to try and find these guys. Cause I think we get tight ends wrong almost every year and you know, they get hurt. There's a lot of injury uh, attrition in that, at that position, of course, cause they're getting, you know they're they're they have to block defensive ends and they're getting smacked by linebackers. They have to run with safeties. They get their legs taken out when they're catching you know balls above above the above the rim and like it's a dangerous position to play. Um, you know I I know I drafted CJ Uzoma in the uh, Scott Fishbowl, hoping he can make it back. Um, you know so I mean yeah you look at these deep players. I mean Pat Fryermuth, uh, is it out of the realm of possibilities that he just is a good player and he you know he outplays um Eric Ebron like I don't know you know what I'm saying like there's there's gonna be someone that comes from there uh that that sort of spot in the draft and and plays what if Jared Cook just can't be healthy Donald Parham I mean I know it was Donald Parham season all off season it was fun and I'm kind of a little bit of a Parham fan but like someone in that group uh could certainly uh you know elevate their game. Tyler Conklin. You another here. One. You're going to start talking about Tim Tebow on the Jaguars. Come on. <laughs> He's scoring a touchdown in week one. You mark it down. He might even throw it to himself like a little, that jump pass he did in college, but then he's going to sneak around and catch it himself. That's not out of the question. Nice. I mean, you could actually even look at the Jags and say like James O'Shaughnessy, I think would be their starter. You know, the season was starting today and uh, you know, it's, <laughs> You could go so deep with it here. I think I have a little bit of resentment too because when I'm doing like the fantasy pros rankings, I tend to rank, you know, tight end 30, tight end 40 even at times. Yes. And as I'm doing it, I'm just going, nobody cares about this, right? Nobody cares. No one is using this for their lineups. No, why am I even doing this? Well, but at some point, at some point, you're like, I don't know. Would I rather who, and, and for me, just for the record, all I'm looking at is ceiling because I really don't give a shit if someone has, you know, 
like who cares? But Parham, Mo Ali Cox, those guys actually have ceiling, right? Like if somehow Mo Ali Cox is playing 80% and getting a 15 to 20% uh, target share, like that dude, that dude could score a lot of fantasy points because he's an athletic freak. So I'm just looking for upside. Blake Jarwin in that offense has upside because they're going to score 30 points a, a game every single game. So that's what I mean. It's not like, oh, Blake Jarwin's this like hidden gem. He's a fine player. Moali Cox is a fine player, but without opportunity, I don't need two or three targets a, a week. Like, who gives a shit? So that's not necessarily what you're projecting. And it, that is actually what you're projecting when you're doing your rankings. You're trying to figure out seasonal projections, who's going to finish above. And that's how you have to do it when you're trying to be a good ranker. I get that. I do the same. But when you're trying to be a good prognosticator of opportunity and where to find it, you know, you want to be able to pick that guy up as soon as he shows anything because. You know, once he scores the two touchdowns the next week, it's over. It was like Tanyan last year. I put out a tweet after week one. Tanyan had zero t- zero targets, zero catches, zero yards. Didn't do anything. But he played on like I think he I think he ran like twenty eight routes or something like that in week one. And I was like, hey, now you might want to pick yeah, this dude very up. Interesting. You know, this is where you because if you're not first, you missed him. You know, and I'm not. I wasn't projecting him to score whatever he did ten touchdowns. I had no fucking clue. But I knew that if. He's running 28 – if he ran 28 routes a game every single game, then he's somebody. So, you know, you kind of have to just look for those kernels, those nuggets, and and try and take action as soon as possible. Yeah, and, and try to, to figure it out before it happens sometimes even. Like if you look at a guy like Dawson Knox, like yeah. he's been pushed down a little bit. He had some good games late in the season, and that's not just the Bills fan in me saying that because <laughs> uh, I've dropped him on a lot of teams just for, for other pieces that I thought had more upside. But – you know, a guy like Dawson Knox, who who played okay down the stretch, scored a couple touchdowns in the playoffs. If you look at him, what if they don't end up getting Zach Ertz, which I think a lot of people just kind of have Ertz penciled into their offense. And what if something happens with Cole Beasley where Beasley decides he is going to retire? I think they're going to smooth that over and Beasley end up playing for them. But if something happens where Beasley decides that that's it, he's out, he doesn't want to do it, all of a sudden there's going to be a lot of targets available in that offense. And I like Emmanuel Sanders this year, but – that could open some things up for a guy like Dawson Knox. So you got to try to look at those those deeper tight ends and figure out, you know, what is the path for them to maybe get up into the top 15 or even better yet into the top 10. And it's crazy how many have a chance at it. It's just, you know, I feel like we play this game every year where we list off the the 10 or 15 guys that could be tight end ones. And then by week <laughs> two, we're going, you know, oh, there was really just like two of them that ended up, doing, you know, like all the rest of those guys, yeah. we were just fooling ourselves. So, yeah. you know, you got, but you got to go through the process of, of thinking it through on, on everybody. Even that's why we're talking about like the, the Jaguars guys. Like, you know, when you bring in a, a Trevor Lawrence, who you think is going to improve the entire passing offense there it could kind of lift all boats and all of a sudden you could have a tight end come out of nowhere and, and produce. So it's Tebow, that's exciting Let's about go. this time of year, right? Yeah. Let's go Tim Tebow. I mean, this Tim Tebow thing is hysterical and I, w- I would not put it past the sort of karma gods for him to like somehow score five, six touchdowns this year. Like, honestly, it just, it would make, I mean, you could just see it on ESPN Tebow at it again, like the whole thing. You can just see it. Or, of course, he's out of the league. I get his floor, but his ceiling is so much fun to talk about. It's just too good. Yeah, I don't think he's going to even make the team here. But if oh, he does, come on, don't do he, it. Oh. If he becomes fantasy relevant oh. this year, I might just have to shut the laptop and walk no, away. Oh, man, that just, point. just I, embrace it. Embrace I it. It's going to be so good, dude. I can't wait. <laughs> at least stay off Twitter for a few days. Oh, it's going to be delightful. Look, if you don't think they're going to have some sort of quote unquote goal line package for 
his ass at quarterback, you are fucking crazy. They have it in. It's happening. It's going to be, it's going to happen, man. He's scoring touchdowns this year. I, he's making the team and he's scoring touchdowns. He'll play special teams. Like he'll do whatever, man. I'm telling you, he's a, he's a coach's son, man. He's making the team. And by son, uh, I mean, red, you red know. zone channel is going to be all over that. Oh. Anytime Tebow touches the field. It, absolutely. It's going to be, it's going to be delightful. I'm telling you, uh, I have a question for you. It is not on the show sheet. So, but you are a bills fan admittedly. So, so I said last year, I'm a Patriots fan. I said last year, it is now impossible for me to not love this Bills team and everything they're doing. They were just like, they just were captivating. They were so Absolutely. dope. Oh, unbelievable. Bills Mafia jumping on tables. You know, Josh Allen is beloved. He's cool as hell. Like, everything's amazing. Like, Stefan Front Diggs. office just making the right decisions now after years of watching yes. them make foolish ones. Like, they're just making all the smart plays now. Yeah. Love everything. Okay. So, this isn't time to shit on you, but I do want to ask a question, and I mean this wholeheartedly. So, right now, we all have Josh Allen as like tight end two in Dynasty. I mean, excuse me, quarterback two in Dynasty. Like, right. he's. He's right there. Like, there's no questions, right? He's he's awesome. Yeah, two or three, yeah. He has two seasons of he might not make it and one season of holy shit, how'd he do that? Is there no chance that he reverts back not to 52% completion percentage in like his first year, but just not 70% completion percentage and struggles a little bit next year? Well, I mean, there definitely could be some regression. I think where the regression could come for him is at the goal line. I think it could be a situation where if they start to feel a little more confident in a Zach Moss, let's say, at the goal line, maybe they try to conserve Allen and they don't let him run it in as many times as he does. And then he loses some fantasy value because he's not scoring eight rushing touchdowns or whatever uh, per season. I think that's where it could come. I think what was just, I think people were just, it's not that people were wrong about the sort of profile for Josh Allen coming out because there, you know, it was a bit, uh, there were some things that had to come together for him to become the player that he has. That was definitely not the most likely outcome. But when we're talking about all those other things, the front office making smart decisions, the culture that Sean McDermott's built there, they put him into a spot to succeed. And he's a very driven guy, a very competitive guy. And he came through, he answered the bell. And I've compared it before to, like Kawhi Leonard when he got drafted to the Spurs. I don't know if you're a big NBA fan or not, yeah, yeah. but you I know, like Kawhi Leonard didn't go with the number one overall pick. He went a little further down in the first round and ended up going to a team that was pretty decent and had this great culture and had Tim Duncan and Greg Popovich. And I think they gave him a chance to develop into the eventual superstar that he became. Whereas if Kawhi would have gone to, you know, whoever was picking first that year, whatever, you know, awful franchise it might not have worked out the same way. I think that's what happened with Josh Allen. I think he got lucky to go to that team at the right time, a team that built around him in very smart ways, brought in the right pieces. They were able to kind of revamp that offensive line on the fly. And then you even see last year, they kept looking. What else does he need? What else can we get for him? We need to get him a number one receiver. And somehow, miraculously, they pulled a rabbit out of a hat and got Stephon and got Gabe Davis. Team. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So... So yeah, on brand. I, I'm not so. that worried about the regression from you know how how he's you know developed into the kind of quarterback that he is now. I'm not worried about him kind of regressing in a massive way from that. He could come back a little bit, but not in a massive way. My only concern, fantasy wise, is that at some point, what if he doesn't score the amount of touchdowns that you know he has been? What if he kind of doesn't run as much? Because we've seen him get banged up too. He takes some bad hits. He's definitely not Lamar Jackson kind of sliding and ducking out of the way he is you know you know every once in a while he's leaving 
um, and, and, you know, having to you know go to the, the blue tent before he gets back out on the field. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed. How dare you end the show by putting that kind of hate on Josh Allen? <laughs> uh, it's not but, even hate, man. Yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm it, still very confident that he's going to be a top three, top five fantasy quarterback for a while. And it might not even be for the Bills, like not for fantasy, but for the Bills, maybe it would be smart not to have him, you know, rushing, especially around the goal line as much. I, 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 like I said, this is not a, this is not a, a, a hate Buffalo, although I, I guess I'm born and bred to do that, but I, I, I don't. Um, I, I fell in love with them last year. It's just crazy. You look at like Josh Allen and his progression, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable how much better he got. I mean, even little things like sack percentage, he was like 8%, 7.6 last year, 4.3, like, like just everything about how he played was just so much better. It's, it's really I've never seen anything like it, you know. I, I don't know. I it's just I, to me, you know, he was sub fifty QBR both both his first two years. He was over eighty last year. Like it's just he played so much better by every metric that you could look at. Like yards per attempt, everything was yards per attempt. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's just I don't know, man. It, it, I'm not saying it's not sustainable at all because look, he can be whoever he wants to be. It's just. I'm a little bit skeptical, you know, of whether or not he can keep that sort of pace going. We'll see. I, you know, I wish y'all luck. I would have been a little more worried too, if Brian Dable had left in the off season, right? Like if he had taken a head coaching job, that would have been kind of worrisome. So maybe the the bigger concern comes next season. If Dable ends up getting a job somewhere else, um, because that, you know, that could hurt. But right now uh, they're doing things the right way. And uh, yeah, all things in that offense are kind of coming together nicely, and I'm expecting another another big season for the Bills. Uh, well, good luck. I mean, you're gonna have to. Everything goes through New England in that division now. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Max so, Jones, the new Tom Brady. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. I'm I'm so confident in everything over there. It's unbelievable. By the way, um, I, I don't know if I mentioned it on the top, but thanks for joining. The Dynasty Game Theory Invitational. You are going to be an amazing addition to that. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun playing. I can't wait to compete against you in a Dynasty League. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, the sure. people Tell the people where they can find you, what you've been up to, and what else is going on at the score or anywhere else that they should be paying attention to where they can get your awesome content. Well, definitely download the Score app. It's free. Yes. All my content on there is free. I know there's a lot of you know great sites and great draft kits that uh, you know people pay for. Um, but I would put my rankings up against anybody's in the industry. Um, and the score kind of shockingly is, is still giving them out for free. So, you know, enjoy that. Um, and the draft kit went out, uh, today, actually the, this morning. So, um, all that content in it is perfectly fresh and I update it every single day. Anytime any news happens, anything like that, it's not like the days where there used to be, you know, the, the magazine that comes out in May and then, you know, people are using that to draft in August, constantly updating that throughout the training camp in the preseason and all the way up until week one uh the score fantasy football podcast uh right now once a week we'll be going to twice a week and eventually three times a week during the season um so check that out on basically whatever podcast platform you use and like you said off the top follow me on twitter at justin boone uh tweeting out all my stuff there all my thoughts love answering everybody's questions as well and yeah just uh really happy that you brought me on i'm glad that we were able to do this and, and sneak this in i know things get real busy during the season but uh, when you hit me up, it was uh, kind of the perfect time to to do it. And yeah, I knew right from the the pre-show when we were talking, I was like, this is going to be a fantastic show. And I'm, I'm going to be real glad that I came on. And I really was. So um, yeah, 
hope hope you have a great year as well. And I can't wait to uh, go head to head in, in that dynasty league with you and some of the other some of the other heavy hitters that it sounds like you're you're getting for that league. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the one of the one of the better players. I don't know if you know him or not. Is Mike Lou? He's a hell of a player. He's going to be oh, yeah. in the league. Uh, I'm I'm going to be on his show, and he's going to be on my show next week. So, uh, just a little uh, forecasting of what's going on. But Mike is a hell of a player. Uh, you know, I got some, I got some, 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 uh, some big hitters in terms of like Shane Manila is going to be in that league. Shane is just, uh, I mean, he's, he's one of my favorite people in, in the, in the industry. He's just a, I think I played, I think he was in my Scott Fishbowl league a year or two ago. I'm pretty sure. So yeah. Oh yeah. Shane's uh, great. Another man. good one. Yeah. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, I think you were with one of my other uh, Undroppables brethren in uh, DBZB, uh, Jake Song. I think was in your division last year because I mentioned that yeah. you were coming on. He's like, yeah, I was in his division. Anyway, so you afford yourself uh, like such a gentleman all the time and uh, such a respectful person. I- I'm just delighted to have you on the show, and I, I thank you for coming on and, and uh, sharing the knowledge. It was a lot of fun chopping it up, and can't wait to start uh, talking about real football. Uh, well, you know them playing the actual game soon so uh with with all that i want to say thank you very much on behalf of everybody at the undroppables on behalf of everybody at the undrafted on behalf of my esteemed producer michael p duncan on behalf of justin boone this is jack scott home we out with